Good morning. My name is Kyle. And yeah, good morning. Love you guys. I have two quick words. I'm going to invite you guys to turn to Luke 17. The verses will be on the screen here for part two of this message this morning. But before that, as you're turning, as you're getting, taking a breather here before the Word of God, um, John Fox just heard my heart real strongly that the Lord wanted to affirm you this morning that you're a good dad and you're a good husband and just affirm that in you. And then for Phoenix, the Lord loves to see your face and hear your voice. He loves your face. He loves your voice. So keep pressing in, keep pursuing, keep leaning into him. Luke 17, verse 26 through 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Just to catch us up to speed this morning, last week in part one, we looked back primarily at the details of the climate that surrounded Noah and Lot's generations as pointers and markers for the general heart condition that would be prevalent in the generation of Jesus' glorious second coming. We attempted to make sense of what Jesus was trying to get across to us as he listed out these seemingly benign, harmless activities. Why was this list a cause for indictment and judgment? Why did the Lord have to send those reins of judgment against these generations? Well, by pointing us to activities that are common to all mankind, core things that are good and generally in God's will for humanity, Jesus wanted to draw two main roots or core heart issues to point us to the reason or the why behind all the rampant wickedness that deserved these sweeping reins of judgment. The first error and most foundational issue that we saw last week was that these generations had a willful disconnectedness from relationship with God. Disconnectedness before and during and after all of those foundational activities that he mentioned. This is the root issue that Jesus was trying to get at here. They did all this stuff on their own without him, without seeking his holy heart and his will in these activities. They were indifferent to the God of burning, bridal passion who created each of them to be in a beautiful, exciting, growing, everyday kind of loving relationship with Him. That is the Lord's primary goal. It's always been, it always will be, is our hearts. These generations missed that goal tragically. They were disconnected. And, they, and secondly, they exhibited a willful ignorance. This was a second indictment. A willful ignorance of the coming necessary judgment against this core sin of disconnectedness. Their disconnectedness in these seemingly normal everyday activities led to more and more outward corruption in their activities. Every arena of life was touched in a negative way because they chose to not involve God in their daily lives and their daily decisions. Eventually, these generations got to such a place of wickedness and evil that God couldn't stand it anymore. And reigns of judgment came. 
So as a response last week, we made a stand to go in the opposite spirit of the generations of Noah and Lot. As for us in our house, as for me in my heart, we stood to vehemently pursue connectedness before, during, and after all of our daily activities. We stood to invite the presence of Jesus into our meals, our eating and drinking. We stood to invite the preserving and sanctifying glue of the heart of Jesus into our marriages and accept his clear definition of what marriage actually is. We stood to live out and live by the golden rule of Jesus to do unto others as we would have them do unto us in all of our buying and selling specifically. We stood against corruption and cutting corners and stood to invite the just and honest wisdom of God into our businesses. And finally, we stood to settle it in our hearts and accept fully and actually rejoice in the fact that sweeping righteous judgment by Jesus was actually coming and will actually come before and during his physical return to this planet. So thank you for standing last week. Each one of you that stand stood last week. That brought so much hope to my soul. I just love your heart to obey the tough things in the Bible, <laughs> to listen to and obey and believe in the tough things. I love your heart to obey him and believe him. I love your faith, and I, I know Jesus loves it 10 billion times more. <laughs> so again, Jesus pointed back to these generations of Noah and Lot in order to prepare our hearts and tune our spiritual antennas to the characteristics and the climate of the generation that would immediately precede and lead up to his glorious second coming. Heaven will meet earth. But before heaven meets earth with the return of Jesus, I believe that just like in Noah and Lot's day, just like those days, rains are coming. Rains are in the forecast. You can picture me like Jim Spencer, Chicago Windler, meteorologists on KXA or KI. Rains are in the forecast. The rains of water fell on Noah's generation and covered the whole earth back then. The rains of fire, literal fire and literal brimstone fell on the geographical region of Sodom and Gomorrah in Lot's generation. So what rains are promised for us in the future? If Jesus promised the days ahead would have the climate of Noah and Lot's generation, I believe that we are to be like Jim Spencer and Chicago Windler. Meteorologists were to forecast based on scripture the specific aspects and the intensity of the rains that are coming. We don't have time to go into the nitty-gritty details of these rains this morning, but I want to quickly give us the four bands of rain that I see in the Scripture, that many leaders in the body of Christ see in Scripture that are coming to a certain generation in the future. And again, I don't know the timelines or the years or the actual generation that these rains will fall, but I do know this. I know they are coming. And I have that wild prayer that I sense the Holy Spirit put on my heart last week, that I would be so close and so intimate with Jesus and his voice in the Bible, that if it's appointed for me to be in that generation, that I could end up being in the company of people that realize and sense that we are actually in the very week of some of these rains, or the actual week of the return of Jesus. Not knowing the day or the hour, because Jesus said we can't know that. But what if we knew the week? 
That's a crazy prayer. Pray that prayer. In the minutes of the, that remain, my goal is to look forward onto the horizon and give us the broad strokes of these four bands of rain that are coming. And very real, practical, right now responses with our time primarily that I strongly believe are not optional. They're not optional. In order for us to be a people, if we live in that generation, to truly thrive and be in that overcoming group that Jesus mentioned in his letters to the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Each of these four reigns are unprecedented. You're going to hear me say the word unprecedented a lot. Each of these four reigns are unprecedented in both scope and intensity. Just like it never had physically rained in Noah's day. They'd never seen rain before. So too, it's never rained like it will rain with these four bands of rain that are coming. Just like it never rained fire and brimstone from the physical sky on Sodom and Gomorrah, so too it's never rained before like it's going to rain. So here's the first band of rain that's coming. This is a good one. This is a good one. This is one we can dance. That's why I was dancing right there. I was thinking of this rain. I was feeling it, and I was, I was seeing it. This is one we can dance with. We do a rain dance for it. First band of rain, the unprecedented outpouring of the latter rain of the Holy Spirit and the glory that will be manifested. First, in an extreme love, Romans 5, 5 love for Jesus. That's the first manifestation of this Holy Spirit outpouring. Crazy love for Jesus. But also, this outpouring will produce accompanying signs, wonders, and miracles that will be on a scale that we've never seen before. Joel chapter 2, the main place we see this. Joel chapter 2, verses 23 through 29. I encourage you to, after the service, go back and look at these verses. They give us a prophecy that was fulfilled in part with the former rain outpouring at the first Pentecost 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2. But it's important to note and to view that these promises in Joel are actually mainly pointing to the context of the day of the Lord, the day of the return of Jesus. So seeing that, we can see and believe that the outpouring promised in these verses in Joel will be fulfilled again as a latter rain outpouring that will be greater intensity and be more widespread than it was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And just like in the geography of the land of Israel, yeah, let it rain, just like in the geography of the land of Israel, the natural latter rains that happen, they occur in the springtime, they're much harder and more intense than the former rains that happen in the fall. Just like that, I believe these latter rains will be in a good way. This is stuff to smile about and start dancing. If y'all want to dance and smile, y'all can. I won't be bothered. What will this unprecedented outpouring look like? Here's my meteorological forecast based on scripture. I said a little bit here. My dad actually covered it <laughs> in his response after worship. It's going to look like widespread, unprecedented power and love flowing through us. The people who say yes to him and say yes to this rain. Power flowing through love. Resurrections won't be rare, I believe. Miraculous works of signs and wonders and miracles that will attest to and will confirm the gospel message being proclaimed with our mouths. It's not just going to be word only. There's going to be power, real power. But all of this power is going to be birthed out of and having its source from a radically lovesick, 
and love-filled heart for Jesus and for people. It's all going to be from love. Because if it wasn't, it wouldn't count. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It wouldn't count. <laughs> Romans 5.5 5 says this. It says, we looked at it earlier, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. This is the primary goal of the Holy Spirit, to produce radical love for Jesus. Radical, unprecedented love that compels and empowers incredible courage and faith to believe God for the miraculous activity of the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk 2.14, glory's coming. For the earth will be filled, everyone say, will be filled, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's your Noah-like rain producing Noah-like flooding covering the entire earth with the glory of signs, wonders, and miracles. You can always trust old Habakkuk and Zephaniah, these minor prophets to fill us with hope. They're not minor. They're not minor. They're major, majorly filled with hope. Acts 4, 29 through 31, another verse is for you to look at later. More power promises to look at. Bottom line evidence of this reign, unprecedented power will be flowing through unprecedented love for Jesus. This rain will cause great swaths of people to be madly and wildly in love with Jesus. There will be a willingness. Psalm 110.3, your people shall be volunteers in the day of my power. Your people shall be willingly, willingly, willful in the day of my power. They're going to lay their lives down daily just to encounter him and share his love more. Your people will be volunteers in the day of his power. And God will work that great Acts 4, 29 through 31 power through these yielded lovers. He's going to do it. Prayer rooms and presence-driven, worship-filled churches will overtake the more program-driven ministries. Holy Spirit-inspired, spontaneous worship gatherings and prayer groups will be popping up more and more, and they'll be welcomed by leaders. They'll say yes. Sitting at his feet in pure love and pure worship with no other agenda than to pour our love on him will become more desirable to his people than anything else. More than 30 barbecue church functions where the presence of Jesus is just an afterthought. Those are, those are not going to happen anymore. I mean, they will, but the presence of Jesus is going to be the, the center of the campfire. It's not going to be the barbecue. Praise God for barbecue, though. They're still going to be there. <laughs> We're in Texas. A swath of barbecue is coming. Guys, seeing someone touched by the miraculous power of God through our obedience and faith will be more desirable and exciting than watching our favorite football team score a touchdown. We're going to dance way more at the person's leg growing out, the person getting out of the wheelchair, than we will at our team winning the Super Bowl. And I love football. So this first rain, I spent a lot of time in this first rain because it's, it's amazing. The first and the fourth, I mean, they're all amazing, except the second one. <laughs> it's amazing how bad people can get. This first rain, though, is holy. It's righteous. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's full of light. It's full of love. It's full of jaw-dropping power. This is God's first plan of rain for every soul and every household in the days to come. Don't forget that. This is his first plan. Let us cry out for 
and receive and ask for this great ladder rain outpouring of, on flesh all around us, on all flesh. The simultaneous second band of rain will be occurring at the same time. An unprecedented reign of evil. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, paints the picture like this. But know this, Paul says to Timothy, and he's saying to us this morning, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times or times of great stress will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Flee away. Flee away from that own, the, these characteristics in your own heart first. Because there's all measures, there's measures in here in all this. Flee, cry out for purity from this. This unprecedented reign of evil will, will reveal itself, these verses tell us, primarily in three loves that will be in direct opposition to the love of God and will cause the love for Jesus in many professing believers to grow cold. Three big counterfeit loves that will escalate in scope and intensity. Lovers of self, lovers of selfie, selfie generation, lovers of money, unprecedented greed, and lovers of pleasure, unprecedented pursuits of pleasure at the expense of pursuing the knowledge of God. This is the generation of Noah and Lot, but replicated on a way more intense scale. This second simultaneous reign is the dark reign, the evil reign of escalating sin in humanity. But here's the good news. This rain cloud of evil won't pour on this earth indefinitely. Jesus is not going to let this go unchecked forever. His forbearance and his patience does have a certain limit. Praise God that it does. He will silence this dark and evil rain, just like he silenced the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago. He's going to say, be still. This could be way more intense than it was on that lake 2,000 years ago. He will cause this deep, ominous thunderstorm of evil to cease with the third band of rain promised. Third band of rain is the unprecedented rain of judgment on evil. Unprecedented judgment on evil. Revelation gives a startling detail about this reign of judgment by Jesus as judge. Go deep and give yourself to this book. That's going to be one of our action steps this morning. It's the only book in the Bible with a specific promise, blessing attached for those who read it and those who hear it. There are also 150 other chapters in the Bible that we have on our phones right there. There's 150 chapters of glory that immediately and perfectly in and just in detail describe this generation before Jesus comes back. 150 chapters. This third reign is holy. It's right. It's good. It's necessary. This is the purifying fire reign of sweeping judgment that Jesus as judge will release. And it has one main end goal in his heart. That is to remove everything that is hindering his bride, us, from pure and unrestrained love for him and his family. It's all for love. <laughs> That's why I can laugh about it. It's all for love. Never forget that beautiful end goal of Jesus in his judgment. It's all for love. 
His judgment is just. And it's done in and through and for his infinite love for us, his people. This third reign of judgment will pave the way and build the highway and clear the air for the best reign, the fourth and final band of reign. This is none other than the unprecedented, glorious reign of the actual physical return of our glorified King, Jesus, on an actual appointed day in the future. He's really coming back on a day that's in the Father's heart. <laughs> this fourth reign will turn into a reign, a kingship. This reign will turn into an R-E-I-G-N. This reign will turn into a reign. This is the day of reign we ultimately live for. This is why we do what we do. Hosea 6.3, let us know. This is my invitation, the invitation of the Lord this morning. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let us have a lean to us when it comes to the knowledge of Jesus. His going forth, that means his return is established as the morning. This is the appointed day of his return that is only known in the Father's heart. His going forth to this planet is established just like this morning was established and the sun came up. He will come to us, guys. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. That's what the Bible says. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Acts chapter 1, 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming down the same way he went up. He's coming on the clouds. He's coming from heaven like the rain. Talk about a rain dance. <laughs> dance for that one. Woo! Quickly recap the four bands of rain before we jump into the action steps. Rachel, if you want to play. Four bands of unprecedented rain that are forecasted. The glorious rain of the Holy Spirit one. Believe him for this one. The simultaneous dark rain in the escalation of sin and evil. That's the second one. Third one, the holy and pure rain of righteous judgment by Jesus. And fourth, the reign of Jesus' physical return to this planet. Are you ready for the rain? <laughs> Are you ready for the rain? Just take 10 seconds. And just tell the Lord, say, I want to be ready for that rain. If you say that, he does the rest. If you say that every day, he does the rest. We make the commitment, he does the rest. He puts a, an obedient spirit in our hearts. He puts, gives us a heart to know him. We just, it's so simple with the Lord. Say, I want to be ready for that rain. These rains, I want to be ready for all four of them. First action step for us this morning to be ready for the rain. One, make and keep a long-term commitment to be a gatekeeper in the Lake Chavez prayer. 
make and keep a long-term gatekeeper our commitment each week. This is a renewed commitment for us this morning to watch and pray, become deeply acquainted and intimate with the beautiful God that saved us. This hour will go a long way to squash out the indifference and disconnectedness in our hearts that seeks to do everything, the everyday things of life disconnected from that life exhilarating nearness and intimacy of relationship with Jesus. Make and keep a scheduled commitment to step inside this ark, the ark of Jesus' presence in an intentional way here in this room. Step inside the ark of intimacy. Step inside the ark of this prayer room and give yourself in a committed way. If we are married to Christ, how in the world are we going to get to know our bridegroom if we only meet and talk to him in a group setting once a week for an hour or two? Imagine if I tried to get to know Brooke and I only saw her once a week for 90 minutes with 80 other people looking at her. I would know her at a a surface level at best. The best way to get to know your spouse or your best friend is to sit down intentionally, look them in their eyes, and talk to them about their day, their victories, their ups and downs, their heart, their laughs. In the same way, we can't expect to fulfill Jesus' prayer in John 17 that we would actually love him with the same intensity and quality that the Father loves him. That's a promise. That's a prayer. If we don't make and keep scheduled, intentional, distraction-free times of getting to know Him, making and keeping hours of eye contact or meeting with Him is the only agenda item. How are we going to hear the bridegroom's voice amidst all the fear and the terror and the demonic noise that will be accompanying these coming rains? We felt a little measure of it in these last few months. Simple. We make and keep scheduled time with him. This prayer room is a distraction-free, God-centered, judgment-free ark. This prayer room is a safe place that you can dance, you can sing, you can shout, you can pray in tongues, you can cry, you can read your Bible. This room is built for freedom. This room is built for you to soar. This building is built for you to meet with and make eye contact with Jesus anytime, day or night, minus Wednesday night at 6.30 when we have youth group, and then we have a side room for you (laughs) that I can set up for you. It's it's not very distraction-free on Wednesday night at 6.30. (laughs) Looking at you guys, (laughs) Hayden and Nevaeh. (laughs) So I want to invite us to text. If you want to make this commitment, we'll work out the details later. This is a commitment to make and to keep a long-term hour commitment weekly. So text your name and the word ARK, A-R-K, to my number, 512-538, if you're watching online, 4099, 512-538-4099. If you want to come into this spiritual ARK, like Noah's family did for at least an hour slot each week, And for all of our current faithful gatekeepers, this is a fresh, clean slate. Look at that board over there, the new board that we have. It's empty. 
Of course, I'm going to give you guys preference and first dibs on your old times. <laughs> but again, this is a fresh commitment to make and keep a long-term weekly gatekeeper hour. Thank you for your diligence. Look at you, Kathy, Norm, Gina, Karen, Emily. Every believer is called to building the ark to intimacy with Jesus. Of course, the capacity for each person is different based on many factors, but I believe everyone can at least give one hour a week. You have 168 hours in a week. Can one of them be devoted to building his ark and getting yourself ready? This is enlightened self-interest. Come with your kids. Come with your family. Have them draw. Have them dance. This is a free place. It's a honey hole, like Nate said two weeks ago. You're going to find sweetness. You're going to find joy. It's only good when you come in here. Again, text your name in the word ark. We'll work out the details later. If you want to come into this spiritual ark like Noah's family did for at least an hour each week. Second action step is to give yourself to going deep in the 150 chapters about his second coming. Giving yourself to go deep in the 150 chapters about his second coming. This is a willful commitment to set your heart to become more knowledgeable about the end time narrative and to go deep in the details of the chapters that give us startlingly specific climate readings about the generation that will be present leading up to the glorious return of Jesus. This is a commitment to search out our Bibles so as to squash out the willful ignorance related to these details of the rains that are coming. We don't have to be ignorant of these details. We do not have to be. The Bible has a lot to say about Jesus' second coming and the generation that will be here before it happens. There are 89 chapters in the Bible devoted to his first coming. There's 150 whose main theme, 51% or more, is devoted to his second coming. Almost twice as many. We don't have to be ignorant. We can become and we can fulfill Daniel's vision to become a person of understanding who will do great exploits and turn many to righteousness. This is who we could be. The younger you are, the better. But you could give yourself. For however years you have left, you could give yourself to this. Text your name and the number, 150. Just like you did for ARC, just text 150, 150 to that same number, 512-538-4099, if you want to make this commitment. And I'm going to send you a doc document. The document's super simple. It just lists the 150 chapters in the Bible. The rest is up to you and the Lord and your small groups and this church and how much we go after it. This isn't a commitment to master these chapters by next month or even in the next years. This is a commitment to patiently give yourself to understanding these details in a deeper way. This is more like a patient decade commitment. <laughs> we can't learn these things like cramming for an exam. This is a patient and glorious process. So text me 150 is saying to me, and more importantly to God, that you humbly but earnestly desire to become a person of understanding, to be in the company of people who would be so close to him that you may even know and sense the week of his return if it's appointed for you. So I'm going to send you that resource if you text me that. And then the third and last, thank you so much for being just locked in with, with me this morning. The third and last action step is a time-sensitive commitment here. The other two were long-term. This is a time-sensitive commitment, a real urgency from the Lord in my heart and many others regarding the biblical holy day of Pentecost that is coming upon us at the end of this month. I have heard 
from many trusted prophetic voices that are very accurate. I've heard similar stirrings and a general consensus that an unprecedented Pentecost is coming for us and the whole body of Christ and the whole world at the end of May. A Pentecost that will truly usher in widespread, tangible, immeasurable experience of the Holy Spirit's outpouring. Is this the full outpouring that is promised in the latter days? Is this the fulfillment of that first rain we talked about this morning? The latter rain, the all flesh outpouring of Joel 2? I don't know. But what I do know is this, that God does more when we pray. God releases more when we expectantly wait on him and cry out for more of him. I do know that those who ask, those who seek, those who knock, they find and they have doors open for them and they receive. So in light of the several prophetic stories about a great outpouring, I have envisioned this prayer room. Put this vision in your heart. I've envisioned this prayer room truly becoming an upper room setting for the 10 days leading up to May 30th. Where just like 2,000 years ago, the first disciples simply waited in obedient and joyful anticipation for the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for those 10 days before it fell. What if we too just simply waited and cried out from this room for 10 days? What if we simply waited and purely believed Him for a great fulfillment and a full strength bucket of the latter rain of the Holy Spirit to be released in our immediate region of Lake Travis and in our city of Austin? Here's the simple details of this last commitment. Simply come to this room for an hour each day with no specific agenda needed for that hour. Just come in and sit and soak and wait on and receive the fresh outpouring rain of the Holy Spirit for yourself. And then from that place of the dove resting upon you, switch gears and cry out to the Lord of the harvest and the great baptizer of the Holy Spirit to release his fire in mass. Cry out, Joel 2. Cry out, Acts 2, that all flesh would receive the Holy Spirit and that our region would experience it. Be a part of history. I want to be a part of history. Do you? It's a 10-hour commitment. One hour each day. Jesus said, could you not wait with me one hour? In the 10 days leading up to and on the day of Pentecost. So just text real simply, wait 10, W-A-I-T 10, to my number there, the same number. Get your 10 hours in. If you have to double up one day because one day was crazy, you've got to give two or three to make up your 10. That's okay. This isn't legalism. This is invitation. Get your 10 hours in. It's going to be Wednesday, May 20th to Saturday, May 30th. If you want to get specific on the 10-day waiting period, it's going to be from 11.33 a.m. here locally, which is sundown in Jerusalem this Wednesday. God's watch clock is Jerusalem. So every time we can align ourselves, even kind of in a, what might seem like a silly way here, it's, oh, it's 11.33, but it's sundown in Jerusalem. God's watch clock is Jerusalem. That's when it's officially going to start, that 10-day waiting period, 11.33 a.m. this Wednesday. And then all the way up to Saturday, May 30th at 11.39 a.m., the sun will go down and Pentecost will officially be over. So text me, wait 10, to be a part of that waiting company. And I'll give you a code to get in the building in case it's locked, in case you have to do it at like 2 a.m. And during these 10 days, if you want to join in with me, at least here, I will be doing this commitment at 3 p.m. each day. 3 p.m. was an hour of prayer in the temple. The hour where Jesus, sorry, the hour where Peter and John healed the lame man through the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 3. 
3 p.m. each day for those 10 days, I'll be here if you want to join at least one person. And there is a man I know in this region who's lame. He can't walk. That I will be believing God for that same power to be released in him and his miracle to go viral in Lake Travis. 3 to 4 p.m. if you want to join me. Wait 10. All right. Thank you guys. So prayer lines you can